Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Conscious Quest, the podcast for seekers. I am one of your hosts, Sarah Parlow. In a world that feels increasingly complex and polarized, my next guest is choosing a radical alternate approach to show up with the power of softness. Actress Cassandra James is joining us for an episode you don't want to miss, so stay tuned. Welcome to Conscious Quest, the LA-based podcast where we aim to stay conscious about everything current. Today, we are welcoming to the show actress, filmmaker, and healer Cassandra James, a proud Chinese-American who grew up in Canada and is most known for her work on ABC's General Hospital and the Max original, sort of. In 2023, she was acknowledged by the Human Rights Campaign for her leadership and service to the LGBT community and given their Visibility Award. Cassandra's role as Dr. Terry Randolph on General Hospital makes her the first trans woman to recur on daytime television. Her debut film, Claude, is currently in post-production and aims to shed new light on the trans community and centers around a woman's resilience in the face of hardship. In Cassandra's personal life and healing work, she strives to celebrate growth and softness in a hard world. Welcome, Cassandra James. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. I'm so thrilled. Good. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. I just good. finished, um, did some cranial sacral work this morning. Brilliant. Yeah. She's one of my healers and I so enjoy that work with her. It sounds very LA. Yes. <laughs> I often feel bad that other people across the country don't get to enjoy all the things that we Healers have here. exist everywhere. I think yeah. you just have to like work a little. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> there. I think you just have to work a little harder to track them down. They are. They yeah. exist everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they're essential. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so glad that you feel like things are in tune today. Mm. Tell us a little bit about you. What would you like our listeners to know about you? Hmm. Well, I, um, thank you so much for that intro. That was very <laughs> generous. Um, people don't need to know that I wrote it, but you know, <laughs> we need some help sometimes yeah. in the podcast. Um, I am a deeply sensitive and fiercely artistic Ooh. and powerfully resilient person. Wow. I got tingles just hearing that. And um, I know for a fact that Cassandra is a force. I was lucky enough to um, ask her to uh, jump in on a project that I uh, wrote and co-directed and co-produced with Rain Valdez about six years ago. It's amazing. We did a project called Lit Girl yeah. and you nailed it. Thank and it was you. really about addressing the issue of relationship mm. between um cis guys and trans women and I often felt like it was such a taboo subject and it's something that we can talk about and navigate through and just shed a little light on so thanks again for being part yeah. of that my mom still shows it to people does she yeah it's, oh my god and we rewatched it over over Christmas she was here for the holidays and it was actually I was like oh I'm so happy this exists yeah yeah it's had like 150,000 downloads on YouTube so Hopefully it's making an impact in all the right ways. Um, I don't want to get too off topic from you, though. You've been an actress for some time now. Mm. Can you tell us about what drew you to that? And um, what do you see as some of your career highlights so far? I've been a storyteller as long as I can remember. I've 
told this anecdote many times, but there's like all these home movies of me toilet training on the little potty. Yeah. And I'm like on the, the camcorder and like the, I'm like pointing at the book and like, I'm not even really verbal yet. I'm just sort of making noises, pointing at the picture book and the book is upside down. <laughs> So even then, yeah. the earliest days. Yeah, and really... I really fell in love with movies. Like, I'm I'm such a product of Hollywood in a lot of ways. I was born in California, and I grew up in Canada. And my mom and my dad as well, but my mom predominantly, like, just, I, we watched so many films. We always went to the movies, and, you know, for me as, like, a closeted trans girl, I feel like it was a really deeply personal way to connect with humanity. I don't know about your experience, but I feel like a lot of trans folks can spend a lot of time in their lives kind of on the outside looking in, yeah. especially before you start living authentically. And for me, I was able to see like female characters that I identified with. It was very private. No one had to know who my favorite character in the film was. And so my my love of Hollywood and and, and acting has really it's so integral to my identity and I've wanted to be in film and TV for as long as I can remember. So it's really a cornerstone to yeah. who you are. Yeah. And um, you've been on General Hospital for how long now? I think this will be my sixth year. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler, I actually <laughs> I actually auditioned for that role. and Everybody it, did. I, everybody <laughs> in the community did. And it was actually quite thrilling for me to step onto the, the um uh, the studio yes. space of General Hospital and to see the sign and um, I can't think of it going to a better person Thank or you. a more fitting actor mm. so I mean tell us about that what has that been like in an iconic breakthrough role a recurring role for an out and open trans woman yeah it was so exciting when you know we all got the breakdown that that um, the show was interested in not only bringing on a an out trans character, but that they were devoted to casting it authentically. There have been trans characters on soaps, predominantly played by cis women and a few yeah. cis men. Right. Um, and, you know, it was really exciting that they were going to kind of do right by us in this way. And to to be the one to get to do that has been like a great privilege. It's It's like a been a fascinating experience i've learned so much it's a really underappreciated undervalued medium and the work yeah. that we do is really hard in a lot of ways because it's you know so fast we move yeah. really really quickly so it was a great way to dive into this amazing industry that i waited a long time to be part of and you know i think there is something to be said about being the first in a space it's very it's been lonely at times just going to ask you, what, yeah. what is, how has the reception been by other mm. actors and castmates? And... It's really interesting. I really feel like the daytime category, as I mentioned, is like deeply undervalued. And yeah. so it, I've actually felt like, you know, for me, I've had to work. This industry will really keep your ego in check in a lot of ways. There, there are like inflated egos, of course, right? Because there is so much success and star power to be had but there's also a lot of rejection and um you know so setting my own ego aside for me it's been a little disappointing to 
feel that Terry, my character, hasn't been really given her flowers. Right. Because, you know, I, I hear a lot of the queer community complaining that, you know, there's no there's no trans women who are dating men on television and there's no trans women who are doctors and playing, you know, successful, well-loved people. And Terry, I feel like, has been written in, in a really beautifully heroic way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was an active choice that the, the production made. But, you know, Terry is currently the chief of staff at General Hospital. So, you know, a Chinese trans woman is the chief of staff at General Hospital on a show called General Hospital. They've had two romances on the show. So for me, it's been, you know, I'm, I just love my job and I love to work and it's such a joy. I always say any day on set is a good day. Agreed. Y'all, for anyone who yeah. is not a performer and actor, there is a special energy when yeah. you're on set and it is quite addictive. So, But to feel sort of like... um I often wonder where she lands, you know, in the zeitgeist and how people are receiving her. I can speak to, I mean, the fans are incredible. And I feel like I, you know, when I first joined, I was certainly daunted, you know, I being the first in the space, you know, really wondering how I would be received. And I've actually, I will always, you know, uplift and like, be grateful and cheer on the fans because they've been really warm and very receptive they you know statistically the daytime audience is is a little bit more conservative Mm -hmm. in terms of its demographic and you know I've I've been welcomed with open arms and that's that's something I don't take for granted you know it could have could have gone a different way so yeah yeah so I'm hearing this humility about it like (laughs) what a gift to be able to do this part and then also like where would we be without a fan base like it is so essential Mm. oh absolutely i mean that's why gh has been on for 60 years we just celebrated our 60th birthday yep truth be told i used to watch it as a child i was a fan of luke and laura okay amazing i have worked with Jeannie francis once or twice iconic i know was that just mind-blowing for you yeah it's wonder i mean you know i had a I had a great education, you know, joining the show because I wasn't someone who watched soaps and I, and I don't have a family member who passed it passed it down to me, mm-hmm. which is a lot of the fans, you know, started watching because their parents watched and things. So I'm not that person. So joining the show and sort of wandering the halls and running into these, you know, iconic actors, you know, on the production side too, I do feel like I've also been really welcome. People are really excited to see me and I just love my job. It's it's a really it's a real treat. So special. Mm-hmm. Do you come from a family of artists? Hmm. My dad is a cartoonist. Okay. Yeah, not so professionally, some... I okay. think, but when I was very, very young, he published like a book of cartoons called Heart of Chokes. Cute. Yeah, and they're they're the the bumper sticker of on the book is matters of the heart matter oh my god and it's very playful and my mom you know has a deeply artistic you know she loves film and I grew up listening to Joni Mitchell in her house and you know so I I I don't think that either of them would consider themselves artists by trade but I grew up around art and I think they also knew who I was very early on. And so I think I was allowed to really cultivate my artistry from, from a very young age. 
we just had this talk actually about moms always know <laughs> when, yes. when you're trans, like mothers are in tune with that. Mm. And I have that experience and Sandra, you said the same. Yeah. Um, I love that you are taking your artistry one step further. Um, this is kind of a big moment for you. You have um, a piece coming out called Claude, which is a short film that yeah. you co-wrote and executive produced and starred in. And um, can you tell the audience a little bit about what that meant for you and yeah. what it's, what you want to share about it? You know, I think I, I'm sure we'll discuss a little later. You know, the strike was really looming all last year, to be honest, even before it really officially began. And it happened very, very organically. We did um, a photo shoot for the General Hospital 60th anniversary this in January of 2023. Okay. And I had done a lot of growing and evolving myself. And I, I felt like I would, my task to myself that day was to really take up space and to not be sort of, I, I can be quite shy. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a lot of downtime. It was a wonderful day, you know, with so many of the actors and I found myself having a really candid conversation about trans representation in Hollywood. And I, I feel like we, we've come so far, absolutely. And there's much to celebrate. And I still feel as though we are seen as a liability in this business in terms of at the highest level, you know, are we being invested in, in the same way? And are there as many opportunities for us? And when it comes to auditioning for non-trans roles, you know, there's still very real obstacles in place for us as trans artists in this is. True. And I was having this conversation and um, Finola Hughes is mm -hmm. an actress on the show and she's also a director. And she emailed me after the photo shoot and she said, you know, I really took your conversation to heart. If there's a project that you want to produce, I want to direct it. I will direct it with you. What an incredible like connection point. Yeah. Fanola's been on for a long time. I think so. Yeah. And we've become great friends. And so my co-writer, his name is Say Steves. We had been, we are collaborating on a number of projects and we had actually made a joke that this, that Claude was actually going to be our Pixar film one day, <laughs> um, you know, with like a, a more like a childlike story and when Fanola, you know opened herself to me I thought oh well I think a short is a really great place to start yeah you know um they're still very expensive you know and yes. but and yeah but that's where we wanted to start and then the script happened very quickly and very organically and from that first conversation with Fanola in January I mean we filmed in July so it was a really exciting um, opportunity. Uh, a woman I went to theater school with in Canada, she came on as a producer. Wow. Yeah. So we had this, we called it the Claude Core 4. <laughs> and we built this production, you know, right before the strike. It was, it was, and then in terms of what the film is about, for me, it was time to tell this story. It's um, a deeply personal story. It's based off of much of my experience. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to close a chapter of my life. 
And I, as an artist, I felt like I needed to tell this story as a way to do that, to mm. punctuate the healing that I'd done. I described the film as um, the, we meet her the moment before she decides she deserves better. Oh, I hope all of you get to see this film because it, that really will make sense. Mm -hmm. And so if I could be so bold, really, it delves into just the complication of um, relationships while being trans. Yeah. It, would you say that's a fair? Absolutely. Right? For me, I so we made a we made a choice to not show anyone's faces in the film until the final frame um, for a number of reasons. But what what sort of came out of that choice was what I hope will be a sort of universality to the film. I think a lot of people will see themselves in this film, you know, trans or cis. For me, sort of, I bring my my nuanced and intersectional humanity to the to the role, obviously. But from an objective place, I feel like the film is clearly about a power dynamic an imbalance right. of power right. so we the the female character we just they're her and him and mom there's no um names yeah. you know we meet her she's quite lonely yeah. and there is this sort of um need to connect and we see her make compromising choices to try and get that and and narratively we meet her when she decides to let someone back into her life that's not good for her and we see what happens when she does that and the the consequences of those choices you know spark a healing journey i believe that's how the film ends so uh relevant and so universal for a lot of women in the world mm. and so uh, I do love that choice of not showing faces to really allow people to see themselves reflected mm -hmm. in the film. I wanted people to lean in you know I think it, we I'm very proud of the film it's very nuanced it's very subtle you really have to, to pay close attention and that was some that was something that we really st strive for. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so the lead character besides you is Claude. Yes. And he is a stuffed rabbit. My stuffed rabbit. And can, can we talk <laughs> about what that symbolized yeah. for you in the film? Um, you know, I felt like when Sace and I began to work on the script, I really wanted to lift the veil on what I see as a quite a pervasive isolation that mm -hmm. I think is often quite specific to the trans experience the trans feminine experience there's a lot of otherness and othering that happens out in the world and when i was thinking about the lens through which to explore that it, it occurred to me that nobody sees what claude sees you know he's been wow. in my life since since i was a teenager and you know so he's seen me transition and grow he's been in my bedroom with all of my ex-boyfriends you know and 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 has been in proximity to so much of my grieving mm. and so we decided to frame the film through the lens of Claude so it's not through his POV but that was another reason why we lowered the frame so that it doesn't include anyone's faces it's kind of like we're seeing things from his perspective in a way yeah um there's an intimacy there yes and I think you know Claude 
is in a way, you know, is a masculine character. It's a blue bunny. And so we see her, there is this sort of like flirtatious kind of cheekiness in the juxtaposition of the him character who comes in and Claude. And there is this layer of like, oh, is is he really the, the one for her? But when you look at the reality of the situation, like I created Claude. And so Claude is actually a mirror. Wow. So as even though it's like her kind of leaning on on Claude as like, you know, a, a, like a comfort, like a map in, in the, in a parallel way to like the him character when, when he leaves and betrays her, mm-hmm. you know, but really that's her giving her own, giving herself solace, right. Making, you know, because it's, he is, Claude is inanimate ultimately. Right. So there, there were, there were these kinds of like layers to it. And I just, Yeah. I love Claude. <laughs> so for such a short film and such an unassuming character mm. in it, there's a lot um, packed into the um, just symbolism of it. So um, when do you plan to release mm. or are you going to make the, the festival circuit with Claude first? That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm learning a lot as a filmmaker and we're uh, submitting to as many festivals as possible and a lot of the submissions open up in the new year so we'll, yeah. we'll just ride this thing until you know we can't anymore I'm really excited to see what what comes of it I, I I'm excited for Claude to have a life out in the open and so just to bring this point up trans art really does matter mm-hmm. we are in sort of this critical juncture um, politically in um, the United States right now regarding trans existence and so I truly believe our pathway of um, salvation if you will is through art Mm. we have to show up as artists because um you even indicated like it was part of your healing journey that's one thing about art but it also gives people reference points Mm. and allows them to process information where they you know may not have access to friends who are trans Mm -hmm. i mean the president of glad made a a speech recently and she said most people more people claim to have seen a ghost than to have met a trans person that they know of that they know of <laughs> and so trans art mm-hmm. is there to sort of fill the gap yeah and, and i just i wanted to be unapologetic about it and 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 there were a lot of there was a lot of back and forth as we were writing and even on to set around you know like telegraphing transness and you know, and at the end of the day, I said, well, I, I am trans and uh, like this is this character is a version of me, you know, so I, I really wanted to sort of just radiate my my own humanity through her. Yeah. And I think we we've created something that actually is quite universal in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're so excited for Claude and to see it when when it's available. Thank you. Um, I would also love to talk as an actress Mm -hmm. to go through the strike last year. And you did the smartest thing, which was to monopolize time and use it creatively. Mm -hmm. But can we highlight sort of the struggles that are present, not only just for any actor or actress in the business in the midst of what happened last year, but especially for. marginalized communities yeah i mean i think i mentioned earlier that you know at the beginning 
of last year, we knew it was coming. So for me, you know, I felt the sort of this halting energy quite early on Mm -hmm. around, you know, like the auditions. And I did feel like a lot of the productions knew a strike was coming, so they didn't want to start up anything in case, you know, so, you know, in the media, the strike was, I don't remember how many days we went on in the end. But was it, it like three or four months? Yeah. Like over a hundred days, but I believe. Experiencing yeah. it from inside, you know, it really felt like we were shut down for the year. That was my experience. I really felt like things kind of grinded slowly to a halt in preparation for the strike. And then when the strike happened, it was like full stop. Yeah. Um, it's really it was really like destabilizing and demoralizing. It was really hard to, you know, find your motivation. I had been going through a personal journey. So I, I really used that time to really find my peace. And I did a lot of work on myself in that time. And I'm grateful in a way for this space to, to do that. Um, But there was this sort of looming thing and, we already work in such an unstable business. You don't know when the auditions are going to come in. You don't know when you're going to book and what, you know, and, and that's what makes what we do kind of magical when it works out for you. But for us to all be in this sort of full stop place was, I think, really, really hard. I'm sure. Yeah. So when we talk about the strike, I think, a lot of people can have this misperception that it was actors being so incredibly greedy. And um, Mm. the reality is, is that for most actors in Hollywood, um, it's kind of like gig to gig Mm -hmm. and kind of scraping by. And there was a lot of talk in contractual um, discussions about um, residual income, which is an important bridge for Mm -hmm. artists. Yeah, you know, to get residuals from projects they've already participated in as a way to supplement until the next gig, and in, in, in a way, yeah. So I met a I met a writer recently, and she said that residuals allowed her to say no. Mm. Um, which you know, I think there are a lot of commercial performers in our business who want to succeed financially, and then there are artists and there are people who, and, and they can be, they can be intersectional as well. Mm -hmm. But I think for those of us who are trying to build careers with integrity, you know, with all of the AI implications and all this stuff, it's really about being in command of our own artistry. And I think you're exactly right. Residuals are play a huge part in that because there are very few other industries where it's sort of an expectation that you have another job. Yeah. Um, there's this amazing Ted talk that Liz Gilbert did many years ago where she talks about her dad who was a chemical engineer. No one ever said to him, got chemical engineering block, (laughs) you know, like people don't really, there's, there's this sort of like fear and expectation projected onto people who live creative careers that like, Oh, well that's not, that's not your real job. That's your hobby. And as someone who studied and trained to do what I do and someone who has loved my, my job and has, you know, built a deep 
dream for this work since as long as I can remember I should I should be allowed to 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 do that and to like have passion for and to like have a trajectory and and a career with stability you know and so I think that that was a big part of it for me was like gosh we just want to work and we want to feel like we can work in a way that's actually going to sustain us it is interesting how the public can perceive artists and yet at the same time what we create is so essential Mm -hmm. for people who are um in some ways actors and performers live out the dreams of people who watch them who Mm -hmm. maybe don't feel confident or have access to them Mm -hmm. it's an important role because without art and imagination and vision like that's a critical component mm-hmm. of what keeps us going as human beings. And it's a very vulnerable thing to do what we do. You know, I think there's what's wonderful is that there's like such a wide range of, of work out yes. in the world, you know, but I think for, for those of us who, you know, really strive to really go deep, I mean, it's a deeply vulnerable thing to, to do this work and to be a mirror you know, to be connected to the human experience in a way that can be really um, challenging, you mm. know? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll stay tuned as to how things go. Mm-hmm. But we have a contract now. Yeah. And I'm so, optimistic. I'm really yeah. excited to feel some momentum in my life. I think it's interesting how that's gone in tandem. Like the strike's kind of gone in tandem with my own healing journey. I think I need it. I think the pace really slowed and I I think that was also what I needed at the time and so I'm feeling a little bit more stable and and like healed so I'm ready to like move 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 so there's this sort of natural intelligence of the universe sometimes I feel yeah, how I really work out I believe that <laughs> yeah if we could um pivot for a second mm-hmm. um I would love to hear about the best part of your transition what that was like for you it sounds like you had some good family support Mm -hmm. I'm very very grateful um I think the best part for me has been the Mm self-awareness you know I think that we as a community are sort of I mean for me it was like transition or die Right. I had no choice. Most but, of us. Yeah. I yeah. had no choice but to live authentically. But to to take those steps is like such a bold thing. And I think that most people don't live their lives as intentionally as a lot of trans folks do. And there's something really profound and beautiful about that. I think it's unlocked so much of the rest of me it's in like my transness has informed so much of the rest of me and my experience my artistry you know the way I want to exist in relationship the way I want to connect my the way I feel about the world my empathy you know I think that that has been the greatest gift is is really coming home to myself and like understanding my my place in it all It's such a powerful process because the trans journey is truly linked to the idea that whatever the world tells us about ourselves intuitively, we are the ones that self-determine how we show up. And that's everyone. And that's everyone. It's a universal journey, would you say? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's where a lot of the 
you know, conservatism and a lot of the fear comes from is because I think a lot of people who fear us, they actually fear the unrecognized potential in themselves. You know, how dare we? How dare we live our lives boldly? And, um, you know, how dare we shape our lives the way that we want to? Everyone should be empowered to do so. Right. You know? And I think for a lot of people, you mentioned the conservative movement. I think it's the fear of the responsibility of making the choices for your own life. It is on Mm. some level comforting Mm. to be told what to do. This is the hierarchy. These are the rules. I call them the shoulds. The shoulds. My life should look like this. I should be in this kind of relationship. I should wear this. I should, you know? Right. And I think that so much of my experience has been rejecting the shoulds and then choosing which ones I want, but it's from a more authentic, you know, place when it's intentional, when you choose. Yeah. Yeah. And how empowering and how liberating. Mm-hmm. I love this. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that. Um, so I want to bring up, you mentioned we had a talk on New Year's Eve um, uh, a few weeks ago, and you mentioned this radical idea of showing up in the world with softness Mm -hmm. rather than wielding the sword and fighting. And, um, and I thought that was just such a powerful idea. And I'd love for you to talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think people have heard before, like, don't become what hurt you, Mm. you know? And for me, um, you know, I, I haven't spoken very publicly about a lot of my personal journey, but I've, I describe myself as a high functioning survivor. Yeah. I lived in survival mode for, you know, the, the, for most of my life until the last three years. I feel like I really began to break free of that oppression. Um, and, you know, there were numerous times in my healing journey where I was tempted, invited, where I felt myself being drawn to harden myself to the world. Um, It's tempting. Absolutely. Because that's what most people do. And, um, you know, I think with COVID too, there is such a like closed offness to our experience. I think um, with social media, I think the algorithms, you know, have made things so binary, more and more binary. There's less and less room for nuance. And what what that does is it, it we lose we lose out on on connection. You know, we're we're now demographics. We're now left and right, black and white. Yeah. And and for me, and I don't, I haven't quite excavated where this comes from. But for me, I just. I wanted to make a different choice. I didn't, I wanted to remain. I think I had, I witnessed some examples that I think led me to be like, oh, I actually don't want to move through the world that way. You know, I don't want to be tough and cold and judgmental. I want to, I still believe in love, even though I've had a really, really hard time since my transition. And I wanted, I use the term open-hearted. For me, it's very important to remain open-hearted to the world because you want to live in flow. You know, I think when you live in resistance, that's where you create lots of anguish. We know that in the body, you know, that's where like injuries happen in sports. It's when there's no flow. Yeah. Um. You know, so for me, it 
came about quite organically. And then I really started to understand how uncomfortable it made people, how misunderstood my choices are, I think. Um, and it kind of like emboldened my resolve to be like, oh, I actually am on the right path and, and this feels good for me. I want to move through the world with grace, with softness. I value my peace. And I think that being kind is like a radical act in the world right now. You know, I think, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Like, there is a lot to be angry about. Sure. You know, like, I, it, I understand where that edge comes from. But for me, I, I under, because I went through some extraordinarily terrible things, I knew that if I integrated that anger that I had received, it would, it would, it would fester into self-harm. It would hurt me ultimately. And that actually the way to purge and move through is to actually do the opposite, which is forgiveness, you know, to choose softness. Um, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it is radical. And if we look at the people in history who have been so revolutionary about this, you know, the Martin Luther Kings or the Gandhis or whatever, who really showed up from a heart-centered space. I mean, mm. I'm hearing you listen to your internal barometer here mm -hmm. of like, what does feel okay? You know, and there is a heaviness that comes with hurt people hurting people, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's no way to operate. And I feel like, unfortunately, a, the majority of humanity is operating from that place. Yeah. But if we have people like you showing up and having breakthroughs like mm -hmm. that, that creates a template that other people can follow. In. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, I'm, I'm working on it myself. And I hope to be, yeah, I, I think radiation is really important. My, my very first tattoo, it says, choose joy. Oh. And I, I used to always say, choose joy because the alternative is too easy. Mm. In a world that sort of wants you to be afraid and bitter and jealous and insecure, because that's how people capitalize. That's how we spend our money. Yep. You know, is through fear and worry, um, you know that's the world that we live in now to, to choose joy, you know, is, is a radical, is radical. And I'm all for this type of radical. So <laughs> <laughs> you and I talked a little bit as well on new year's about your unique brand of spirituality. Mm -hmm. Um, since we have a lot of spiritual topics on this podcast, I would love for you to share with our listeners, um, what that brand is like. I don't subscribe to any formal doctrine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been healing for as long as I can remember. Um, I love talk therapy. Yeah. I think it's been so important for me and to, to feel held and to have space. Um, I can be quite an overthinker. So for me to sit across from someone and I'm a storyteller as well. Right. So for me to sit across from someone who, it, who is, whose job it is to show up for me in that moment <clears throat> has been really, really valuable at different points in my life and consistently. And I, you know, I went to theater school I trained and a lot of the work as 
an actor is there is a sort of I wouldn't use the word spiritual necessarily, but there is this sort of esoteric, sort of unknown quality to that work. A lot of it is through the body. We do a lot of yoga and, um, you know, voice work and, and connecting, you know, your, your memory and experience to the body and like what that unlocks emotion, emotionally. You know, I have, I've been doing this kind of work for as long as I can remember. My mom, you know, my mom and I are sort of hippy dippy. We describe ourselves <laughs> in that way. You know, I grew up getting getting massages and so for me, I think when a series of circumstances really brought me to crisis and I felt like I had to do some radical work on myself. Um the meditation practice, the oracle cards, the journaling, the gemstones it all sort of like revealed itself in a very organic way from from a very um like raw and like i hesitate to use this word but it's coming to mind like from a very broken place mm -hmm. and i sort of um called these tools very organically and for me i'm really just following my my joy and my pleasure and my curiosity um and my grandmother passed during COVID, I think in 2021. Okay. And, you know, she was, I, I'm half Chinese. And so she was the matriarch on my mom's side. And, and losing her really brought me home to my mom and our our lineage, like the line yeah. and the, the Chinese culture. Um, and so I've done a lot of, kind of coming home in that way as well and so there is this sort of um i'm reading a lot about chinese astrology and um the zodiac systems and there's just something really grounding in it for me i think mm -hmm. it's like hard to make sense of what i've been through and so i think there was a bit of like uh well can i ground myself in these myths and and sort of and this hippy dippy you know people might perceive as hokiness for me it was like my saving grace in a lot of ways sure. it was really important for me to to find something that worked for me yeah yeah i love that you brought up the idea of myth myth is a very powerful vehicle which has been really handed down for thousands of years through all cultures mm. and really um we did an episode about joseph campbell and the power of myth and you know we really connected that um myths enable us to make sense of things that we cannot make sense of yeah. in the conscious mind mm -hmm. it's almost like our subconscious you know uh, symbol symbolic aspects of our subconscious speaking to mm -hmm. us in a way mm -hmm. you brought up the word broken too and and what came to mind for me is you know it's the wounds in us those are the places where the light comes I in. I knew you were going to say you that. You knew it. You felt that. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. I mean, I am someone who, like, doesn't live, I try not to live with regret. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of my practice, practice has to do with mindfulness, being as present as possible. And I think that when you regret, there's sort of an attachment to the past and mm -hmm. you can't change the past. You know, I, I, I wish... I don't wish what I went through upon anyone. 
you know, and I, I want to be the change. I want to make sure that I don't hurt, that hurt people don't hurt people. You know, that was another part of my radical softness commitment was around understanding that what happened to me was not okay. And, and, and there was a lot of grieving. There is a lot of grieving to do with that and, and radical acceptance, but, but the way through, you know, yeah, we have to go through it. Mm -hmm. right? We can't mm -hmm. go around it. We have to go through it. Yeah. I, and I, the way through i I found myself again and I unlocked, you know, new aspects of myself. I really, I feel brand new again. And it's, there's something very raw and kind of tender about it, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. It really sounds like a hero's journey in a way, right? You you had to leave the homeland of like the self that you knew mm -hmm. because of these experiences. You had to gather new tools mm. and cycle back um, and be integrated with the new information. And that is the beauty of transformation mm. and the alchemy that I I feel drives evolution for human beings. Mm. I would love for you to share some of the astrology cards you brought. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yes. Can we can we show everybody Absolutely. what they are? So, you know, I I went to um a trauma recovery program um last year. Okay. And one of the courses that we did was um a sound bath every twice a week. And um the facilitator used uh, an animal totem mm. like oracle deck and i just thought that that was so whimsical and i really resonated with it so when i was discharged from that program i bought myself that deck brilliant but i had this sort of desire to find medicine that was closer in connection to me and to my heritage and my culture so i i looked online and i I tried to find a specifically like a Chinese oracle deck. Okay. And um, I did. Brilliant. So this is it. <laughs> it's Vicky Iskandar's. Um, Maybe we can pull it up there to the show everybody. Take a look. <laughs> Very The cool. Chinese Five Elements Oracle. Um, and for me, it's just, it's, it's a nice, um, let's say a nice touching point for me in the morning. So I start my day, I meditate and then I put on some spa music. Got to. And I, I light my Palo Santo. I, I kind of bring in the energy and then I, I will just, I'll start with a card and then from there I journal. Okay. So, yeah. So we'll do that process okay. for, for um, people who are watching and listening. Yeah. Okay. So do you want me to light them? You want to do I'll that? I'll do it. Okay. I got us. I got Great. us. Um, yeah. Love this. I this know. This is a first for our show, okay. but I'm so here for it right Okay, now. great. <laughs> yeah, I've really, and I, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. And there's been something kind of, um, I think grounding and like it, a lot of my life, my life really slowed down dramatically so for me it was like i needed these grounding like these posts in my day i needed things to do that were going to make it feel good yeah these yeah. rituals have some 
oh, I'm loving this. Yeah. And it is <laughs> magical how things like this just clear the energy. Mm -hmm. So I, I've, I've heard that Palo Santo is, is to invite energy in and that okay. um, sage is for when you want to clean things. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Thank you for that hot yeah. tip. Yeah. yeah. So I was told that you're not supposed to overdo the sage okay. because you can kind of, you can kind of drain your energy. Okay. So I switched to using this. And then when I have really hard days, then I will, I will sage first. Or, but there's things I need to let go of or release okay. in the morning. Yeah. Great. Okay. So we have properly Palo Santo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really and I don't claim this. to, you know, this is not my medicine. This is very old medicine. And, and for me, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful that it's been commercialized and made available to someone who is on a healing journey and has really needed some, some tools that feel good. Ah. That's what it is for me. So I'm just shuffling the deck. That's what I do every morning. So getting your energy into mm -hmm. it. It's essential. And then I'll ask you to cut the deck for okay. me. So that you can participate as well. All right. Or if you want to shuffle it, you're welcome to. I'll say cut it thin so I win. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll just sort of lay them out here. Brilliant. And you go ahead and take the cord. Okay, I'm going to go with this one. I always love to go with my first instinct. The fire tiger. Oh, my. <laughs> and the mantra here is share your gifts. Oh, okay. So what I do then, there's a lot of reading at the beginning of the book, but you can just dive right in and read what the card is about. And so I'll read it to you. The fire, here, you have the card. The fire tiger pillar offers positivity and support when it appears in a reading. The tiger is highly creative and inventive as a yang wood sign, while yang fire in the heavenly frequency is associated with joy and unconditional love. As wood produces fire, those who channel the creative force also cultivate inner joy in the process. Mm. This card is a confirmation that you're using your gifts wisely. Oh. It's now time to share your gifts and spread your joy to a larger community, like on a podcast. <laughs> the creative force within you is emerging stronger than ever. You've been listening to your calling and enjoying the creative process. Keep doing what makes your heart sing to stoke the fire within. Yang earth and yang fire hidden in the tiger will help you persevere and be consistent in your quest. You can always find inspiration from within your heart. Relax into the creative process and take as much alone time as you need. The creative well within will never run out. Creativity is a gift from the universe that keeps on giving the more we foster it. No matter what line of work you're in, your creative approach is what makes you stand out and be noticed. Message from heaven. Yang fire, like the sun, shares its light generously and unconditionally. Offering your services will serve as a healing tool not only for yourself, but also for others. Message from earth. The tiger doesn't hold back, and neither should you. Think big and make a difference to the world with your creative power. Oh my God. Well, I have to say this couldn't be an any more appropriate card because I've I, been charging it. So it's, <laughs> it's got some, it's got some good juice. Everyone, this is juicy. <laughs> um, hit the nail on the head. I'm really diving into my creativity. So thank you. For yeah, that. I, yeah. It's, 
I mean, you you can't make it up. Like, I just feel like I always get the card that I need at the right time. And if that's like the power of suggestion, so be it. Yeah. Like I said, I really think that this world that we live in is so chaotic and, and like, who, who am I to judge like a person's choices in terms of the tools that they want to bring into their life? And I, I'm yeah. having a lot of fun with it. Brilliant. And you pulled a card too. I did. Should, should I read yours? Or? If you'd like, or yeah. I can, I can happily read it. Yeah. Whatever works. Okay. So I've drawn this card before. Okay. And I've noticed that too, that there's a lot of um, the cards that are recurring for me. So there's 60 cards in the deck. Okay. In the Chinese system, there's five elements okay. um wood earth fire water and metal okay. and there are 12 signs in the zodiac so uh, each zodiac has their own element. element that makes sense five times 12 is 60 <laughs> according to what math i remember yeah. <laughs> i'm terrible okay let's see here water dog play with the waves the water dog pillar with Yang water's oceanic force over the dog's insurmountable Yang earth may seem ominous at first. Imagine tidal waves pouring over a mountain. But firm, faithful earth element conquers water, the element associated with fears. The waves have no chance of beating the mountain that has stood for eternity. The intuitive dog knows when to jump into the water with glee and play with the waves. Our fears may overwhelm us, but they can be contained with positive thinking, confidence, and faith. Setting short-term goals and having a long-term vision can help steer us away from our initial fears. Yang water, like fast-moving currents, also indicates rapid change. There's something new waiting when this card appears, but you must first get yourself to the other side of fear. Are you ready to step out of your comfort zone? If you're already feeling a sense of discomfort, accept that you're uncomfortable and pat yourself on the back, which I shall. <laughs> For that means you've taken a step forward. It's rough out there, but trust that all will be well despite the ebb and flow. Your skills, intuition, and perseverance will keep carrying you forward. The water dog encourages you to embrace your fears and take a risk. Play a game of what ifs. Nothing in life is certain. The best case scenario may take you on the greatest adventure of your life. If you can live with the worst case scenario, then it's worth taking the risk. Prepare for the best, but don't fear the worst. Message from heaven. Like Yang's waters, ocean invites fear, but also awe and a sense of adventure. Mm. Befriend and honor your fears. Be curious and question them so you can move on once you pass the fear period. Message from earth. The dog's earth element is a stabilizing influence. Stay grounded and connected to your center to navigate through life with calm and peace. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I've gotten this one a few times, actually. My my mantra this year is one day at a time, slow and steady. Beautiful. Because I have a... I am a deeply anxious and a deeply self-conscious person. I'm, I can be quite hard on myself and very judgmental. So for me, it is really important for me to find a sense of play and like move through fear by making short-term goals, actionable things that I can do every day. I really, I have, I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD, which one of my main symptoms is that I have a tendency to really freeze. Yeah. I think it's happening to a lot of us, the sort of, of the, the doom scrolling, the like oh. the hours in bed, you know? So for me, it's been really helpful on days when I have, you know, something 
actionable that I can do something concrete. I cook if I don't have something to do outside of the house, you know, the meditation, at least I can come back to that practice. Yes. It's been really, really helpful when things were quite unstable for me. Thank you for sharing all this. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you're just illustrating how necessary it is to have things that ground us. And yeah, small actionable goals definitely enable us to have a sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. and and confidence so that we can go on to like you said achieve those bigger goals Mm -hmm. down the road yeah this has been amazing thank you for sharing this incredible um spiritual path with us cassandra um what else uh, in closing would you like to share with our listeners about what's coming up for you and Mm -hmm. what your dreams or aspirations might be for 2024 I am looking forward to continuing my healing journey. I think that um, I really wish that for people out in the world. I think there's a lot of burnout happening right now. I think there's a lot of people in crisis. And I think that, you know, we ha- we don't talk about mental health in, in a way that I think is really holistic. I think it's really important to understand that the body remembers we store trauma in the body it's yeah. important to when you can get out of bed and you know do some physical work or walks yeah connect with nature um something that i've learned in my reading through chinese astrology is that 2023 marked the end of the age of eight okay which was marked by an excess of yang energy so the masculine which is the masculine okay i think we have seen masculinity grow quite toxic grow quite violent in the world yeah and chinese new year is february 10th this year and marks the beginning of the age of nine another 20-year cycle that will bring us back to the yin divine feminine it is time i'm really excited i think in our lifetime we'll see a real return to holistic thinking, community, um, farm to table, you know, knowing where our food comes from, you know, a grounding in the body, connecting with community, the family unit, you know, and we'll see how that ripples out politically and commercially. But I'm really, I'm really excited because I think and maybe it's a product of my my transition, but I, I love the divine feminine and I find it attractive wherever it appears. It's that radical idea of softness that yes. we've been talking about <laughs> all along. And I'm so excited that this episode is going to come out right before Chinese New Year to punctuate everything you're talking about. Yeah. Cassandra, where can our listeners find you? My, if you must engage <laughs> with me on social if media, you must, yes. Um, I use it reluctantly. Um, my Instagram is at Cassandra James with an underscore, and that is my primary hub. Um, it's mostly a workspace, um, but there is lots to see there, and I speak very candidly about my experience as a trans woman, and um, it's an opportunity, a place for me to celebrate my work. And we're celebrating with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Everyone, please check out Cassandra James, Star of General Hospital. Look out for Claude. At Claude the Film. At Claude the on Film Instagram. on Instagram. Please check it out. And until then, stay conscious, y'all. Absolutely. Absolutely.